Hi, this is Urban Hartsucker, CEO of Mind Media, and you are listening to the NeuroNoodle Network Podcast. Welcome to NeuroNoodle's Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology Podcast featuring neurofeedback legend Jay Gunkelman and Seaburn Fisher, the author of Neurofeedback and the Treatment of Developmental Trauma, Calming the Fear-Driven Brain. Seaburn, we missed you. Thank you for coming back. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. My name is Pete, and today we have an extremely special guest, Erwin Hartsucker from Mind Media. Erwin, did I say that right? Yes, you did. And there's about 10 different ways to pronounce it, and I understand all 10 of them. Okay, well, we got nine more to go. But before we get, <laughs> before we get to Erwin, our show is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. Like Gold Supporter, NeuroGuides, NeuroFeedback, NeuroImaging Software. Download the free demo now at applyneuroscience.com slash neuroguide. Hey guys, attend their pre-conference workshop at the ISNR 2022 conference. You guys heard of ISNR? I heard that's a pretty big thing, Jay. They're They've doing been around in one form or another for quite a while um, and, and are uh, doing quite well as an organization. Well, NeuroGuide, they, they have a pre-show workshop Wednesday, July 27th. I guess it's going to be a hybrid event. Attend the workshop and learn about new additions and techniques of neurofeedback training like cerebellar ROIs and their inclusion in the symptom checklist for both balance and psychiatric disorders, the importance of implementation of cross-frequency coupling training, these topics, along with the fundamental topics of QEG assessment and neurofeedback training, will be covered. Okay, now, guys, it's just between us here and gals. The workshop will be Wednesday, July 27th. And hey, if you want a coupon code, email me, Pete, at neuronoodle.com. I will hook you up. Pete at neuronoodle.com. Mary Tracy's Neuro Training Strategies. Erwin, I don't know. Do you know Mary Tracy at all? Oh, yeah, we know each other very well, very well. She's um, done workshops for us here, uh, besides for Stance Academy, which we now own. Yeah. Uh, she's been here with us um, at Might Media. We have had several workshops, and of course, then COVID happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I hear, Erwin, I, I hear she offers a higher standard of EEG, QEG <laughs> education to EEG clinicians, technicians, and neurofeedback practitioners with convenient online BCIA and QEG certified didactic courses. Okay, three things our listeners and viewers can do to help spread the word of neurofeedback. Number one, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Number two, review us on whatever platform you listen or watch us on. We, we like five stars, but Jay and Seaburn will accept four and a half. If you have the means, please support us on Patreon slash NeuroNoodle. There are different levels in which you can support us. Whether you're a mom or dad or a cl clinician, there's even an option where you can have your own Q&A with Jay Gunkelman. The support helps us improve the quality of our content. The quality is like getting a real video editor besides me doing this stuff. If you're wondering why it's looking a little bit better, we got a new editor. So hopefully uh, the show is better this time. Okay, welcome to the show, Erwin Hartswicker. That's number nine That's ways number that nine, you can see. Yeah. Number nine, CEO of Mind Media. Okay, Erwin, please tell us about yourself and your background. You've been in the business a while. I got introduced to you through the Stens products and whatnot. 
we've had a little hard time getting together. COVID came in, you know, all this weird stuff. Please, we've been we've been waiting to hear about you, Erwin. Please tell us about yourself. Yeah, where to begin? Um, well, I think most people know us from uh, the Nexus. We're the creators of the Nexus brand, the Nexus 4, Nexus 10, Nexus 32, the new Q32. Um, but actually, I started the company in 1992. And that was at a moment in time that nobody, really almost nobody knew what neurofeedback was and biofeedback were. Particularly neurofeedback was very unknown. So when I met people in Europe, and I explained what they were doing. And I said, well, you know, we're building a digital PC system based system with DOS at that time. Remember the little black uh, screen and the numbers for neurofeedback. And I said, what? Um, so we were really, really pioneering. We, uh, I think um, we created the very, very first digital neurofeedback system in, in Europe that was computer computerized. Uh, that was called the Brain Tracer, and it, and it took off. Uh, I mean, I put my last money. I had like 5,000 guilders, which is like, I don't know, back then it was like $2,000. was my last money, and I saved it up, and we built the electronics, and we sold it the wires, and I was already programming um, EEG software since 1986, actually. And we just offered it to the market, and it took off. So that's how my media started. I actually started in EEG in 1986. Um, back then, I was working for various uh, Dutch companies uh, who were doing systems for neurology, neurophysiology, evoke potentials, uh, brainstem auditory evoke potentials. Um, and you won't believe this, but we were building a dual processor system. So two screens, two monitors, one in color, one in black and white. One processor was showing 21 channels of digital EEG, and another one was showing live brain maps, live. Now, okay, remember, 1986. Yeah. Pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Um, so, yeah, I started off in software development for EEG, for neurophysiology. Um, in 1992, started Mind Media, and actually, if I take a big jump, after the brain tracer um, took off, we wanted to have new hardware and then we um, and we wanted to create new software so we created a new software under a new operating system that wasn't dos but it was made by microsoft and that was called windows 2.0 now none of you have heard about <laughs> windows 2.0 because almost nobody bought it right it was very, very early uh, stage of Windows. But we, we created real-time live uh, software for that, doing all the signals. And then Windows took off when it was 3.0, 3.1. And we launched this first Windows application for neuron biofeedback um, under the name Biograph because we started a cooperation with Thought Technology. And boy, that, that, that was big. That was big. Um, Thought Technology fired their own programmers because they had been working on a Windows program for three, four years. They hadn't delivered anything. They saw our software. That's what happened. So we partnered up with uh, ThoughtTech for almost nine or 10 years. Um, so we mostly focused on software and we were um, a large reseller of the systems by Thought Technology. And then in 2003, we decided to part ways. 
and it was clear we wanted to have our own brand. And that's when we introduced Nexus. So, so Nexus, okay, so you, look, I, I've been, I, I just figured out neurofeedback, I don't know, four years ago, my sister got me into this, I was in the corporate sales world, and yeah. my sister, Dr. Laura Jansen said, hey, you know what, there could be an end game to mental health, here's neurofeedback, oh, by the way, go to this five-day course, go get a sip of water from this fire hose called John Anderson, and I took the, uh, the courses uh, twice, I paid for the first one, and you got a deal where you can come back if you haven't figured it out and you help out, you can do it again. I probably got to go a third or fourth time. All right. But I was introduced to the to the Nexus products. Uh, full disclosure, I have Nexus in the office. Cause I didn't know any better and it's worked out great. I've been I'm a fan. We got people uh, asking us specifically what brands do you recommend? And I'm telling you what I use. Jay is very good. He's very political he'll tell you what to look for in a brand but he won't give give a brand okay yeah um, you know you know thank you thank you pete um i can say a little bit more about nexus if you like um you know nexus go ahead. Was, yeah i mean nexus was introduced in 2004 and the reason we introduced it was because we were not satisfied with the state of most hardware and software by the way the reason when I got into the neurofeedback field and I came out of the medical field where I'd been working for uh, six years, um, I was struck by the, let's say, lack of quality. <laughs> you know, uh, I was used to medical grade systems, uh, medical grade connectors, medical grade cables, uh, you know, caps, etc. I wasn't satisfied. I saw no. I saw cables that had movement artifact all over the place when you just touched them. Uh, I saw noise. I saw terrible wirings, terrible connectors. Um, and still, up to this day, there's manufacturers that have connectors that are designed for a computer to connect your keyboard. You know. Um, remember now that if you, if that the e measuring the EEG is like. I mean, we're talking about ten to maybe fifty microvolts on on average. I mean, that's about 10,000 times weaker signal than in a microphone, right? Okay, now take a microphone. The microphone I'm using here, here, this microphone, you see it? Here. That microphone has a shielded cable that's better than most EEG, than, than most EEG systems had when we launched Nexus. And so quality first, medical grade, um, and that's why I felt we need to, we need to create our own hardware platform, not just our own software and our own um, marketing and sales channels. And I think that was the best decision I ever made because we have over 7,000, 8,000 systems in the market now. We have over 1,000 studies and articles that have been published that, that have used our equipment. So the whole, whole design philosophy of using medical grade has paid off really, you know, it's, it's, well, two of the things that Jay was talking about, and Jay, you can pop in, Seaburn, please, anytime, if I, if I get something wrong, because I never do. <laughs> FD, FDA is, is huge. And you talked about the artifacts for the newbies out there. Here's what I know. When the techs are trying to get a good signal in the 60, uh, 60 hertz, uh, you know, the uh, fluorescent lights or any type of electrical in there, Nexus has been uh, pretty darn good about, you know, keeping that stuff stuff out talk to me about fda and talk to me about artifacts so uh, 
because if you got a, a machine that yeah. I mean, you're talking about a millionth of a volt picking up that chemical energy, right? Yeah, I mean, it's very thing, sensitive. It is. I mean, the thing is, and that's what 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 struck me so much that there were systems in the 90s and still there are systems that do that that have connectors, like I said, that were for a computer connector. So that's like for carrying voltages of around one volt, like a million times, uh, you know, a hundred thousand times more. Um, the quality of your data is as good as the input. And that means, and, and that's, that's why I mentioned the, elect, the microphone cable. If most microphone cables have better shielding than some of the EG caps that people are still using because they're not shielded. What does it mean? Well, the only way that you really get a good signal is if your, your active shielding, that's the, or the active noise cancellation, as we call it, goes all the way, all the way from your amplifier. So I have an axis here. Yeah. All the way from the amplifier, all the way to the very electrode and gel on your head. And that's what we do. We use carbon coating and we place a active shield drive on each individual electrode position. That means that your 50 and 60 hertz is in most cases uh, virtually gone, but more importantly, any swinging of the cables, any movement um, that causes delta and theta artifacts is not there. And to me, this is not nothing special. I mean, this is just how you want to build this kind of equipment. It's not special. And is it okay if it's a little technical, uh, Pete? Because so I, I, I think getting technical is exactly what I love to do, you know. Alrighty, um, alrighty. You know, <laughs> a, a lot of amplifiers have tried to make the skin contact irrelevant. So prepping the skin doesn't end up being something that has to be done so aggressively. Yeah. And, and it's easy to put a super high input impedance so that the skin impedance is so, so small relative to the input impedance that it isn't relevant. However, that opens you up to field effect. And, and if you have a super high input impedance without the shielding all the way to the, uh, to, to the, to the, the electrode or an active electrode at each site, um, you end up having a field effect. Uh, shuffling your feet in the winter when there's static electricity 20 feet away from the client can make the signal go crazy. It's, it's, you just have to be extremely careful in a circumstance like that. But if you engineer it properly, a driven shield is a way to eliminate that field effect. Instead of having the electrode and wire be an antenna to pick up artifact, you're picking up the signal without that artifact that would normally be there by shielding, uh, again, shielding the cable all the way to the electrode. The other way is, again, having an active electrode at each site. The, that's a whole different level of uh, engineering and expense. Uh, it's more expensive. Yeah, it's active, more expensive. Active electrodes. Uh, if you, if you want to have an expensive amplifier, go for active electrodes, you know, so. Um, and there's a problem with the certification because in many cases, the active electrode has a leakage current that's too high. But that's, you know, that's more a certification thing. They, they work technically very well, though. Yeah. Now, years ago, there was a publication that essentially said, you know, all that skin prep that you do with the high density, you know, if you got 128 electrodes on the head, how do you get good impedance? Well, if you have to reduce the impedance to the standard of below 5K 
above 1K and balanced. They mm -hmm. basically take a lance and 128 <laughs> times on your head, they will lance the skin. Mm -hmm. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, you're getting poked 128 times with a needle. Um, and what's the risk infection of, of a, a fungal infection or something other than that? that you know, you're penetrating the skin. So uh, the, they basically said, if your amp qualifies, you don't have to prep the skin. So uh, you, you end up having to qualify the amplifier, which means not only do you have to have a super high input impedance, but you have to uh, uh, control for a field effect, not just the 50 or 60 hertz, but also the, the slow uh, fields that can happen uh, with, with field effect. So um, uh, which amplifiers have qualified, you know? <laughs> um, and you, and, Gay, and Jay, what is very important is that you cannot shield with copper wires. Um, you can do it, but it's it's not. We we tried all the shieldings we could find in the world for the active drive and the noise cancellation. If you shield with copper wires and you move the wire, it means that you have two metals that are moving up against each yeah. other, and that also creates a movement yeah. artifact. By metallic so, effect, yeah, yeah, metallic effect. And so you want to use carbon, but then to use carbon and have shield a shield on it and have good contacts and all that. That's the engineering that, that we're very proud of. Garbage in, garbage out. We like not garbage in. We like the best data in that we can get. And then why not do it the best way there is? Now, differentiators, talk to me about the FDA. Why does it, you know, for somebody who doesn't know anything, they hear FDA approved or what are, what are they approving or what is approved? You know, what, what's going on it's there? A, it's a registration. They don't approve amplifiers don't approve or products. They register them if they qualify as safe and effective. And they, they also uh, regulate the manufacturer's claims, not just the device. And um, they consider software a device. So uh, those that are developing software for use in the field can't necessarily say, well, we're not making a device. Um, because the FDA considers software that processes data a device. So, and anyway, we've got um, uh, uh, FDA here and CE in Europe, and uh, Koreans have their own FDA. There's a number of regulatory bodies worldwide, um, and usually they're fairly collaborative. Uh, if you pass FDA, a lot of times CE in, in Europe, you've got this all your data is already together from one submission and getting the other submission yeah. is relatively straightforward. Um, uh, I have to say for pharmacological stuff, the uh, CE in Europe has actually been more, um, I think appropriately conservative on what they approve than in the U S uh, uh, sometimes a drug can make a, a chemical twist to the structure, same exact drug. They go to Europe and say, uh, you know, that patent that's expiring, we'd like a new patent on this new drug. And they say, well, it's the same drug. <laughs> uh, no, um, uh, you, you can't suddenly charge everybody for your, your new drug. Uh, everybody's going to get a generic that's cheaper. So I, I think CE's actually been a, a little bit more uh, scientific and a little less political than some of the FDA. What is CE? Stand for? Certification. Uh, it's a French word. Actually, it's Certification Européenne which means just European certification. Okay, okay. And the newest standard that's now here is called the MDR, the Medical Device Regulations, which is the successor of MDD, which was the Medical Device Directive. So it's become even stricter, but also more harmonized. So 
um, in Europe, we like harmony. <laughs> we like to harmonize. And um, I would prefer the European and American um, medical uh, systems to be like 100% um, harmonized if, if possible. So how is that for us? Well, MindMedia is a, a 13485 um, 45 certified company. ISO for, uh, 13485 is a medical ISO norm, which is one of the strictest norms in, in the world. We comply with that. We get audited every year, every year. Whole, you know, my whole team has to sit with a bunch of inspectors that go over everything we do. And that means that our products are created according to those uh, standards. A bit complicated sometimes for a company like us to, to uh, for instance, get access to in Japan because some of these regulations are used for protective measures. Like we have the sense that Japan wants to make it difficult to export to them, in other words, to import, but they love to export to the whole world. So sometimes these things throw up like a wall and for small companies, and that's for me, any company less with less than, let's say, 50 people, it's a huge effort to comply with all those regulations. But for Europe and uh, America, we do. Yeah. Now, Erwin, you, you acquired Sten's Corporation from our buddy Steve Stearns. Talk about tongue twisters. Okay. <laughs> Look, this field is confusing enough. Uh, the regulations, which I wish there were more of, uh, you have all the different competitors, everybody's operating in their silo, everybody is saying my database is better than your database, my product's better than your product, and you have the poor wannabe technician or clinician that wants to open up their office, and they're like, oh my God, I am so confused, what's going on? Stenz yeah. is, all the products, Steve, everything that Steve was doing, I mean, he was the original or only distributor of the Nexus products uh, in the United States. Is that how that went down? And then you yeah. tell us how that worked, because people are confused yeah, out I there know. during this I know, transition. I know. I know about that con confusion. So we're the legal manufacturer. We, we are actually creating the system. We're building it. We're manufacturing it. Same for the software and the sensors. We, we are actually the place where everything originates and is exported to, uh, to the entire world. And uh, Stans Corporation um, has done an excellent job of being our exclusive reseller in the United States, but they're a reseller. I mean, they, they buy something and sell it, right? Um, very importantly though, um, Steve has made a very smart move, which is to combine this with an excellent education uh, organization. And so what has happened? Well, Steve has, at one point had to retire and um, he and I talked about it many times um, because, you know, at one point he was 17 and 71 and 72. So he retired finally. He's uh, 77 now, I think. Yeah. And I said, Steve, look, um, we want to continue the Stens Academy. So I acquired that from Steve. So that means the Stens Academy with everything in it is going to continue as it always has. So people that go to the Stens Academy will mostly not notice a lot. They say, okay, Stens Academy is still there, great. And um, um, we're doing the workshops and we keep that as a separate brand. And that's for, important for people to understand. Stens Academy is its own brand. It has its own logo. It's, it's, it has the same trainers. It's, it's doing the workshops with all kinds of devices, but so happens that Nexus is also there. 
Um, that's one. Then, because uh, Stens was our exclusive reseller in the United States, of course, we're going to continue that. And it was a perfect time for us to say, okay, well, that means we, who know the systems better than anyone because we built them, we're going to be selling and opening up Nexus, as opening up a sales office in the United States. And that company is called Mind Media USA. Um, it so happens to be in the same office as the Sense Corporation was working with the same people. So also there, people will be, you know, talking to the same team, um, except the name has changed. And there has been confusion, unfortunately, also fueled by one of our competitors that jumped the gun by saying, oh, you know, Stance is gone. No, it's not gone at all. Um, we're going to grow. Uh, Stan's um, Academy is going to grow. Mind Media and Nexus is going to grow. Uh, we see a huge opportunity in the United States for doing, you know, Steve has done a great, fantastic job with Nexus, but we think we can do more in terms of marketing. We can probably double the results of what has, um, you know, the, the revenues has been in the past. Now, COVID was nice, you know, Obviously, COVID wasn't nice for anybody, and that has also caused problems for us because um, I acquired the Stans brand and everything else from Steve on December 31st. We signed a contract and everything, paid him, and we wanted to open on January 1st or January 2nd. And then COVID, people got ill. We had to close the office. Uh, that was confusing because... Basically, everybody was sick at home, you know. And then there's another thing happening in the world that is causing some problems for us, which is the, the supply chain things with chips. Now, it's a very serious problem. People don't know how difficult this is for manufacturers. I, I know various manufacturers that are not sleeping well at night. Imagine this. Imagine your Volkswagen. Now, Volkswagen is a big car company, right? Okay. So they plan things right. Okay, they have like, I don't know, 100,000 employees and everything is managed and procedures everywhere. So you would think they don't have supply chain problems. Yes, they do. There's a new electrical car that Volkswagen is making to um, compete with Tesla. It's a beautiful car. It's ID4. And then if you look at it on the website, Volkswagen Netherlands says, sorry, we can't. We don't know when we can actually deliver the car because we don't have the chips. That's what it comes down to. So... Uh, Pete, we're facing the same problem in January when we opened. We suddenly found out that some of the parts that we needed for the Q32 in this case, instead of having a delivery time that they usually have like three, four weeks, now it was a few months. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so starting up Mind Media under these circumstances with people sick with, e with COVID, um, with the supply chain problem, and then one of the competitors saying, oh, that company is gone. That was, you know, I wasn't amused by that at all. I thought it was very, it, was, it wasn't very classy, right? Yeah. Erwin, there's enough business for everybody. What do you call it, Jay? Coopetition, right? Yeah. I think I got that right. You know, we got to make the pie bigger. We can't have this infighting because it just confuses the market. And when the market's confused, 
there's indecision when there's indecision there's no decision yeah. and then the drug companies win and i'm just going to take a pill forget it yeah no that that's what i, I I'm, I'm totally with you uh, pete because we want to grow this field we want to we want to make an impact on health and not get people stuck in lifelong medication which they sometimes need but frankly i've spoken with various doctors off the record off the record in the last 30 years and you know, I, I know it is a little, how do you say, uh, risky to say this, but off the record, various medical doctors have told me when I asked them a direct question, how much, which percentage of your patients actually really needs the drugs? I don't know if I should say the percentage, but it's not 100%. They notice, and th that means Drugs are fine and we sometimes really, really need them. And I'm super glad that we have the pharmaceutical industry for certain solutions. But on the other hand, I think, oh my God, we're over-medicating, we're over-medicating and we need new solutions. Our show is supported by listeners and businesses just like you, like Gold Supporter, Neuro Guides, Neurofeedback, Neuroimaging Software. Download the free demo now at applyneuroscience.com slash neuroguide. Hey guys, attend their pre-conference workshop at the ISNR 2022 conference. They have a pre-show workshop Wednesday, July 27th. I guess it's going to be a hybrid event. Attend the workshop and learn about new additions and techniques of neurofeedback training like cerebellar ROIs and their inclusion in the symptom checklist for both balance and psychiatric disorders, the importance of implementation of cross-frequency coupling training, these topics, along with the fundamental topics of QEG assessment and neurofeedback training, will be covered. Okay, now, guys, it's just between us here and gals. The workshop will be Wednesday, July 27th. And hey, if you want a coupon code, email me, Pete, at neuronoodle.com. I will hook you up. Some people have read, uh, written books about um, the food and the FDA is interesting. It's, it's Food and Drug Administration, food and drug. And you could think in terms of, okay, they're both very large industries, but we both know that certain foods that are being produced massively aren't good for people, right? And then people get sick, and if you get sick, you need drugs. And it's sort of sometimes, I'm not a conspiracy guy at all, but it sort of, sort of, sort of seems like a, a circle, if you know what I mean. If we want to break that circle, we have to look at quality of life. We have to look at ultimately the quality of mind, the quality of our, let's say, consciousness, our nervous system. Our, our, is that important? I think everybody will say their health is actually their number one condition in order to do what they love to do, do research, be with friends and family. My observation is that what we call healthcare is not the right word. We're not caring for health. Uh, it's not health management that we do. We do disease management. And my drive is to talk about health, to maintain health, to understand health. How can we understand better what health is? Then if we understand that, how can we maintain that or train that? Be less dependent on other, you know, on, on surgery, medications, if we don't need it. Any cardiologist, Jay, I don't know how you think about this, but in Holland, 
80% of all cardiologists that, that I speak to would tell me, Erwin, um, oh, I said, sorry, most cardiologists in Holland that I talk to would say 80% of all cardiological diseases are preventable. Mm-hmm. It's only 10 or 20% that are unavoidable. The rest is really based on how we live. In other words, how we don't care enough about our health or how we don't balance our health enough. So I strongly believe that we should, that we need an industry that's not driven by disease, that's not driven by shareholder value, that's not driven by, okay, let's create a new DSM-5 criterion and therefore suddenly we have 10% more clients because now they're under the threshold or above the threshold. I would like to contribute to, uh, let's say, an industry or a system that's based on health. And I think it's unavoidable. This is how the future is going to be. In 100 years or 50 years from now, people will not understand why we're so focused only on disease. It's going to change. Let me uh, add to this a little thing that I heard yesterday, um, uh, recently, an um, interview with a psychiatrist who had been uh, brought a young man who was an 18-year-old man who had been reported to the police um, as someone who was going to do a school shooting. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he was brought to her office for um, an evaluation. And he, uh, she talked about the angst that this brought her, her worries. um, And um, she said uh, that he didn't qualify for any mental illness. We have, say, hold on, let me, let me just play this out. Uh, 157 diagnoses, but not most of those are committable. And that was really the question she could admit, but would he be committed to a hospital? And then she went on to say, he, he, she did admit him because of her own conscience and fear, uh, but it didn't get sustained as a commitment. And part of the reason that it didn't get sustained as a commitment is what she said Second in the second uh, round, which was e- even if we could have held him for three days, three weeks, or even three months, there was nothing we could have done that would have changed his condition. There's no medication. There's no get. You know, and there I am, and we all go through this. I'm sure if you heard that interview, you'd be feeling exactly the same level of frustration. Of course, there's something we can do about this. Uh, and that's our devotion, right? I mean, that it, it, wellness is one thing, but keeping people and, and important. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, Erwin, in any in any way at all. But that the um, that the uh, that we have to bring, we have to be playing a very important role. First of all, I think, at least in the U.S., of bringing this kind of arousal back from the brink. And so I focus a great deal on the hyper arousal that is generated and kindled, you know, by these events, you know, one of these events sets off four more and and we don't even hear about them because they're not massive enough or they kill the wrong people. So we don't hear about them, but we are living in a kindled society over here. And now I'm just spreading to other, you know, as unfortunately American culture does, it's spreading to other, uh, you know, there's more guns and more violence in other countries as well. So, um, but it was just this thing, you know, about how 
uh, overly constructed and in a certain way useless. The whole idea of mental illness when it comes to something like this, right? And the reason that it doesn't get expanded, the understanding of it, is because there's nothing to do about it in the minds of the people that have to have this conversation. And the right. thing to do about it is to is to change the the uh, the way the brain is uh, firing and the pattern repetition that it gets into, right? And that's that's your work and mine. And, yeah. and the in- interesting thing is that the pharmacological approach is just changing the soup for the whole brain, when quite often the the problem is a small spark in a small area, as opposed to the entire brain needing a specific neurochemical change. And uh, uh, they're probably right. There is nothing we can do with pharma itself to Mm -hmm. end up fixing that young man. Uh, It doesn't mean that the young man can't end up being improved to the point where he's functional and not a danger to himself and others, but not with pharma. Uh, uh, It's it's unfortunate that... um, uh, our uh, uh, disease care system uh, is is not oriented towards uh, the individual's improvement as much as they are towards the business that they're in, uh, uh, basically making money off of insurance and government. And uh, it, it's tragic that we see uh, people basically being flushed down the drain of society without uh, without the tools that they need. Uh, we, we work with uh, clients that have no real possibility left in the medical community, and we find them to be uh, perfectly fine uh, a short time later. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes yeah. it's a few months, maybe a year or so, but uh, um, we take people that are uh, intractable uh, uh, epileptics or uh, severe um, autistics that can't speak or look you in the face. And within a short period of time, again, relative to their, uh, their, their disease or uh, disturbance, it, we've got them conversing and uh, uh, having appropriate affective interactions, and uh, they're no longer diagnosable. Uh, the intractable epileptics are medication-free, seizure-free. So the the medical community's dismissal of the person basically as being intractable, untreatable is uh, unfortunately uh, uh, something that categorizes them uh, in a way that they're, they're not going to ever receive the care they need. Um, And I think we've got tools to actually provide the care that's needed. As you know, Seaburn, you you turn around lives that probably would be, community disasters if they weren't turned around. Yeah. And, and in that process, we turn around things that we didn't expect. For instance, I'm, I'm working with one woman who, who has pretty uh, severe developmental trauma history. And I'm, I don't, you, I, I want to drop the DSM completely. And I want to take disorder off of almost everything that we say, right? So developmental trauma is fine. And PTS is good, right? As soon as you add a disorder, you're making it into something else. But I have someone who, uh, and this is not uncommon, so I'm training her to quiet her nervous system or to calm the fear that has 
riveted her and her lupus symptoms dis disappear, right? I'm not training her for lupus. Mm -hmm. And I will ever make a claim that I'm training her for lupus. But I, I, would, be, I would be neglecting my relationship with her if I weren't noticing that as we are training for regulation of her nervous system, a lot of the autoimmune disorder, in her case, lupus, but in other places, we might, you know, it's, it's, we see what, yeah. we're, what we're trying to do. So it is completely a wellness paradigm that we're operating in. I do want to say one other thing in terms of the market problem, right, uh, uh, Pete, is that I've often called this the salmon problem. We have even talked about it here. But, you know, there's a, there's a lottery for a trip you can take in Alaska uh, to see grizzly bears up close. You can get within, you know, 100 yards of grizzly bears for those who are so... I'm one of those people who would love this, actually. So, um, uh, and the, the reason you can do that is because uh, you're, they take you there at a time when there's a salmon run. So there's plenty of salmon. So those grizzlies don't turn on each other and they don't turn on you. When there's not enough salmon and we're still in that process, right? Even though I can Google neurofeedback in almost any city in the United States, it can still be rare and hard to get. So the market isn't that big. The market, part of our work is to develop that market. That's what you're doing here, right? The paradigm of not looking at disease but looking at health instead. And it's, it's going to take another 50 years or so before that paradigm. It's unavoidable. I'm really convinced that the current point of view where you only look at how dysfunctional people are or disorder this or disorder that is very convenient to put labels on people. I mean, that's what DSM does and other systems do. And they also have great use sometimes, but we have to be so careful because I know various cases of people that could so could not be helped because the, the medical system couldn't apply a label to them, but still they were out of balance or their nervous system wasn't working functionally. And technology has a role to play in that, but ultimately we all know it's about becoming conscious of the state of your nervous system, being empowered to do something about it, to find that balance in yourself and then simply said what we're doing is offering people tools to understand their own nervous system better in some cases and maybe it's a question to, for me to use here there's also something like meditation or learning mindfulness there's an overlap with that would you would you say so i've, I've pondered this question. Um, and I think that in my experience anyway, the organization, it's very hard to have, have uh, a meditation practice if you're seizing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So very hard to have a meditation practice if you are living in a fear circuitry that does not stop. It's just meets you everywhere you go, every turn there's yeah. fear. And, and sitting makes that even harder. So mm -hmm. there is, I mean, it challenges you in exactly those ways. So for, for me, it is um, that the 
in my practice, the nervous system had to come first. And some people can find that through meditation. But I think people who have had developmental trauma can find very hard to reach their nervous system through meditation or psychotherapy. I think that the mind practices have a limit right there, right? Is if the nervous system is uh, enough out of whack or out of balance or driven by fear, or driven by these repetitive patterns of OCD, or how do you sit in meditation if you've got an OCD-like brain, right? Uh, so that is the... Um, uh, so I think that what this allows is a fruitful mind practice that you can't have a, a, a huge swath of the population who are often prescribed meditation, right? Not only medication. Uh, the question is, of course, question is, of course, what is meditation? Uh, for me, meditation is not something you do with crossed legs sitting in a, in a cave in the Himalayas. You know, that's the exaggeration form of it, of course. But ultimately, um, it is interesting to me that mindfulness and some other terms have been used and have been growing. There's a growing awareness. A lot of people are doing mindfulness um, because essentially it balances their nervous system. But I agree, you have to be in a certain, uh, let's say in a normal distribution, you have to be within certain limits in order to do that. If you have heavy trauma or heavy anxiety, you have to take care of that first. Well, you know, I mean, one of uh, Marsha Lenahan wrote the therapy, right? The dialectical behavior therapy. And she was a, the, the idea of that therapy was for her was to bring in everything that had ever been helpful. Right. So one of the things that had been helpful to her was Zen practice. Right. Yeah. So, so she, uh, so actually she used a lot of the, the words of Thich Nhat Hanh didn't use Buddhism and put mindfulness into a major treatment of uh, in, in psychotherapy of a condition that is very difficult for anybody to treat if they, uh, you know, which is really high emotional arousal. It's not something other than that. So, but if you have high emotional arousal, people can find it very difficult. They don't even know they have a body, right? I mean, people- mm, They're, they're out of touch with their body. Yeah. Out of touch is, 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 a, is a domestic way of talking about it. It's like they don't have a body. One of my patients said, my body is a mere appendage, right? Mm -hmm. And we now are getting rapidly, because of primarily Ruth Lanius's work, we're getting a view of what these brains look like, right? And the fact that there's not a default mode network functioning, the salience network is, is wired into fear. The whole, all of the primary networks of the brain are distorted by this, you know, onset of terror. Um, and that is a brainstem. It's, in, it's starting in the brainstem. It's not starting in the amygdala. But that's only been known in the last few years, right? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so we're we're at a we're at a very interesting period. But I think in terms of that question about whether whether mindfulness is whether this is akin to mindfulness, I think this is the condition for mindfulness mm -hmm. that your nervous system is working for you enough that you can actually pay attention to the way that you put your feet or to the way you eat or you know any number of other things that would lead to a better life outcomes. One of the barriers to entry 
getting in the neurofeedback business, just from what I've seen is you got to train the techs, okay? Get, you know, you're dealing with a millionth of a volt. Uh, if you don't have the sensor in the right spot, you're going to get bad data. Conduct or the sensor to pick up that electricity, you need to have some type of paste or saline solution to so the sensor can pick it up. Or we call that a wet, uh, a wet cap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have anything going on on the dry caps? Because uh, the, were the amplifiers all in one piece, or yeah. what's going on with that, or is the technology yeah. there yet? Well, um, yes and no. Uh, so first of all, dry, truly dry electrodes don't exist because what's going to happen if you press an electrode, silver silkride or whatever into the skin hard enough, eventually you'll get contact because you sweat. <clears throat> okay, so dry electrodes is an illusion. They don't exist. That's number one. Number two is if you want to have them work real well, you better put a lot of pressure on them. So the problem there is that certain people, and I tried it myself, get headaches. So the the systems where you have to squeeze those things into your skin and then wait, I'm saying it a little bit simplistically, but waiting for them to start sweating so that you have a better contact. I myself believe more in what we call semi-dry. And I want to give you an example. I don't know if the camera can pick it up, but what we have here is a semi-dry electrode. And these, um, it's a saline solution really. And you click them into your cap and you put them on the head and then they work because they're not dry, they're semi-dry. Semi-dry means that they're not dripping with water, that the gel is not running across your face, but that they're wet enough to immediately make a contact with your skin. So we've created a headset for that, the Nexus headset um, that we had on the market for a number of years. Now this year, we're introducing a new cap at the ISNR. I can briefly show it. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to stand up and it's on my table right here. I'm in the Go office. <laughs> Good. Make it happen, Erwin. Yeah. Dance for your supper. So this this cap here is a is a is a new cap that we're putting on the market, which uses the shielded cables of the Nexus 10. They go all the way up to the electrodes here. You shield it up to your skin, so to speak, so to speak. They use little, little silver, silver chloride discs. At this moment, we'll first introduce it. You put a drip of gel beneath it, just a drop of gel. And I can set up a four channel linkier uh, configuration with it. This has set in less than 60 seconds. 60. 60, one, one minute. Less than one so minute. You, so you're not, you're not piping or making a little, okay. Nope. No, and this cap will first introduce for the Nexus 10. It, we have absolutely artifact-free signals with it in terms of movement artifact, 50, 60 hertz, very low. And so that's the first problem we want to solve because dry electrodes by themselves, um, it sounds nice, but as I said, there's some drawbacks. The purpose really is to get a good signal as fast as you can with as little mess as you can, right? So that's the first step. We're still using a kind of a gel, like the ECI gel, but just a small drop. So that means if you've used this cap, 
you're not going to have big blobs of 1020 in your hair. The next step is this electrode that I showed to you, this semi-dry electrode here that you see. Currently, um, it's still manufactured for the EEG headset that we're currently not supplying because we're going to replace it with this head cap or make these electrodes smaller. I don't know exactly when we're gonna put them on the market, but that gives you a semi-dry solution, meaning you put those little things in a bit of physiological uh, water solution, something like 0.7% salt. You put them in there and you get them out of that cup with water. You snap them into the cap, put them on your head. And again, in one minute or less, you have four channels of neurofeedback. That's our goal. That would be great. That would yeah. help the learning curve training the text. We're super happy with this. We, we, we created this solution just one month ago. We, um, we're going to release this. We're going to show this camp at the ISNR. If people want to see a demo, we can do it. One minute or less, four channels, no artifact. You can start training right away with minimum gel. Again, the semi-dry solution where you're not even using gel, but just water, that's going to be in the market sometime next year, but I can't give any date yet. Jay? There are good companies out there doing uh, uh, dry sensor, but again, uh, uh, if it's a solid metal uh, contact, uh, that's the dry sensor, and those don't work very well. They have contact jitter. Uh, the ones that are working better have a polymer or an interface that holds moisture. Uh, 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 some of the manufacturers, uh, like, like you're suggesting, add a drop of moisture. Um, others, it's a polymer and it'll simply uh, pick up moisture off the skin. But uh, you end up having to have what's called a salt bridge, um, a, a contact between uh, skin that's moist uh, and the dry uh, sensor. Um, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Dr. DeRusso, uh, quite a few years ago now, uh, actually did a, a nice study showing that a polymer interface allows for that moisture to be held as opposed to a solid metal contact. And um, I think ever since his work, uh, people have realized that a dry sensor that's metallic is just a mistake. So uh, it's, it's good to see you uh, uh, working in that area because, quite honestly, our, our clients, um, uh, I've seen a lot of people basically step away from neurofeedback because they didn't like the electrode paste in their hair. It, I agree. It, it was agree. too much of, of a, a mess. And, <clears throat> you know, some of them are young uh, teens and uh, a little glob of gel in their hair is not something that they want to end up having. So um, uh, the, the, the cost benefit, uh, just that cosmetic mess was enough for them to step away from the therapy. And that, that's a problem. I mean, we can't lose customers to the inconvenience of the gel if there's a technological solution that allows us to use a, yes. a, a drop of moisture that's not going to be a problem for them when they're done with their session. Yeah. And... So this, this cap, uh, Jay, um, has the 1010 system on it, meaning that you have yeah. older inter intermediate positions. So you're not, 1020 is usually fine as a system, but this is the 1010 system, meaning you have much more, many more choices for placing your electrodes. Yeah. 
Our goal with this was to... When I mentioned 1020, yeah. that's the, the paste, the yes, 1020 paste, uh, which is a brand name. Uh, I know. <laughs> uh, there, there's Elefix. There's a lot of different kinds of paste out there as well. But yeah. uh, um, uh, 1020 is just one of the more common ones from D.O. Weaver, uh, yes. who's a, a manufacturer of a lot of the gels and uh, pastes and the skin prep, uh, a lemon prep, new prep, those sorts of things. Um, and uh, uh, Dio Weaver has been a very good company to EG across the years. They provide a lot of samples for uh, people to hand out at meetings. Um, when I ran the Barrier Society of EG Techs, the Bassett, uh, <laughs> uh, a great acronym for the Barrier Bassett was the organization. Uh, they, they would provide uh, expensive books uh, that could be raffled off at a meeting. Uh, well, well, given away uh, for attending a meeting, actually, it's, it's hard to get people to show up for uh, organizational events. Um, uh, they're not getting paid to go to them and uh, all of that. But when you've got a $500 book as a potential prize, some people will show up. So um, it, it, it was, I think, a very good incentive. And they, they were very uh, uh, generous in their support for the field. May I ask a question, Jay? So this, this electrode I just showed, the camera may not show it very well, but it's silver, silver chloride, basically with a little part that soaks up the water. Um, do you think there's any need for, let's say if this, if this saline solution, if that works with silver, silver chloride, and you don't need dry electrodes where you don't need a lot of gel and paste in here, um, then don't you think that could be a better solution? In fact, the, um, the ones who have a kind of a cloth cover or a fabric cover, um, the difficulty with that is uh, you have that on a patient's head. Uh, and at that point, that has to be sterilized before the next patient, even though you're not deliberately making a lesion uh, to uh, allow a high probable exposure, uh, um, uh, sterilization between clients is still needed. So having a disposable cloth cap uh, and, and a silver chloride pellet underneath it would end up being the proper solution. So yeah. you could sterilize the cap system uh, and a, a fabric uh, uh, cap has to be able to be uh, swapped out. Yeah. So there um, is. Can, yeah. Wait, can I ask a question? So the tech who I got to keep an eye on to make sure they're running the cap underneath the water and getting that crap out of there. Are you telling me that they just put in the, instead of having to wash it underneath the faucet, they can just change those little uh, sensors in and out? They will probably still wash it off because the, the fabric isn't the only thing there. All right, all right, uh, right. How, however, uh, it will probably keep you from having to do uh, 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 glutal aldehyde sterilization, which the spandex electrocaps are supposed to be soaked in glutal aldehyde. If you've ever smelled glutal aldehyde, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you can't use it in your office because your office will stink. Yeah. Uh, you got to dilute way. that. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, there, there's all sorts of brand names. Uh, the electrocap recommends metricide, which is just a brand name of glutal aldehyde. Uh, but uh, you, uh, you're supposed to soak it for a period of time and, and then aerate it for 
24 hours. Yeah. So yeah. your cap is gone for a day. Well, you and need extra you caps cap yeah. in after it's been aerated for a day. It still stinks so bad. You want to have hang it outside for another day yeah. or so. Yeah. It's, you know, if you want to smell like the respiratory therapy department at a hospital <laughs> where they use glutal aldehyde for any of their uh, <laughs> parts that they have to sterilize and a lot of them are disposable now that didn't used to be so there's a lot less of the stink and they have uh, uh, air evacuation in the room where they store all this kind of stuff so it's reduced the smell but yeah i remember the bad old days when the respiratory care department smelled like little aldehyde and the you know uh, yeah well jay we're, analogous we're, we're, we're to walking we're not going into that board, way again you know? we're not going that way again it would make you want to not breathe in the respiratory. No. Uh, yeah, exactly. I showed you the HEPCAP. I showed you the semi-dry electrodes. The semi-dry electrodes are not this year. That's next year, just to be clear. But this cap is immediate, and you can use it with just small drops of gel. So it's a huge improvement. Uh, the other thing we're, we're showing at the ISNR is the new Nexus Q32. Um, now, the Q32 is our most advanced amplifier ever. Um, it is a full multimodal system with neurofeedback and, and biofeedback modalities as well. It has um, 21 channels where in the future you can upgrade software to uh, 32 channels, but we begin with 21 channels and it has super high sample rates and everything. It has so much, so much technology in it um, that I won't even summarize it here. If people are interested in this new QEG technology, come at the booth, we'll show it. And uh, I think a lot of people will, will uh, like it. In fact, we're almost sold out. We introduced this system in December last year. And we, all the systems we produced were sold out like within two months. You know, one of the things that we're starting to do on the podcast is to try to focus on historic people. Um, and uh, since Irwin's European, uh, as we can tell by the uh, very gentle accent, um, uh, you didn't grow up in Fargo like I did. You know, we, we don't have accents in Fargo, don't you know? Um, but uh, uh, one of the lesser known uh, folks uh, here in the U.S. is Gert Furtscheller, Graz, Austria's uh, uh, head of the lab, now retired. And uh, uh, Gert Furtscheller, uh, <laughs> this is his name. Oh, wow. It's part and, of the And uh, he came up with the concept of event-related synchronization, desynchronization. And he had a, a EEG recorded when he was imagining cutting bread with a bread knife. And the alpha would be synchronized and then desynchronized. So he came up with event-related synchronization, desynchronization. And to honor him uh, in his retirement, they made a bread knife. With that, <laughs> oh, that, that EG pattern as the teeth on the bread knife. <laughs> I tell you, this will cut anything. This is a tungsten and vanadium blade, uh, a 200-year-old olive tree handle, uh, it's a fine blade and a fine knife and a wonderful display. Uh, but uh, Gert uh, deserves the honor. Uh, his event-related synchronization, desynchronization using wavelet analysis 
uh, has been a tremendous benefit for neuroscience. Um, I, I've suggested wavelet analysis as a replacement for the, for the Fourier in many applications because it doesn't have all of the uh, assumptions of the Fourier that are every assumption the Fourier has is violated by the EEG. Uh, 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 everything's a sine wave. Well, look at EEG. It's not all sinusoidal. Look at it. You know, no, uh, there's no state changes. It's full of state changes. There's no transients. It's full of transients. Yeah, it doesn't so, really take into account the waveform. Huh? Yeah, wavelet analysis doesn't have those assumptions, and uh, we we found uh, it to be a very good replacement for the Fourier. Uh, uh, for uh, feedback purposes and uh, analytics. So uh, um, uh, thank you, Gert Furcheller, for your career and your contribution to the neuroscience. Uh, we, we honor you uh, by purchasing a 650 euro knife. <laughs> so, <laughs> Erwin Hartsuchers, thank you so much for coming on the show today. What's the best uh, way for all these new techs and uh, new clinicians that say, you know what? Give me some of that Nexus action. How can how can they buy some of this good stuff? Well, they would go to mindmedia.com and then there we there's a US part that's so you could go to mindmedia.com slash US and then you see all the information for the US. Uh, we have a web shop. They should also visit uh, www.stansacademy.com. That's the one for the education. And if you can come to the ISNAR, talk to us. Uh, would love yeah. to meet you and show you what we're the new technology that we're offering, the new solutions we're offering. Yeah, that's say, that. And, and say and say there's there's absolutely nothing better than being at a meeting and having your hands on the equipment and seeing it face to face with the representatives to go over the details of it, yes. so that you can yeah. competitively look at the differences between devices and pick the one that's right for your practice. And don't just try to do something online when you can do it face-to-face -face nowadays. Um, we're getting past the COVID thing for most everybody. Uh, I'm unfortunately not just uh, difficult with COVID. I, uh, I'm leaking cerebral spinal fluid out my nose. So just a regular common cold is enough to do me in. Um, uh, my brain uh, can get infected all too easily. Yeah, you, Jay, so, you have to be truly careful. But, yeah. but to, to uh, anybody uh, else, I would say go to the ISNR. Go there, yeah, yeah. visit the manufacturers, not just us. Go to all of them. Talk to each other. Uh, do new research. Treat more patients with neuro and biofeedback. Yeah. Get moving. Don't be afraid. Um, go to the conference. And then, find, and then if you, find if you the want people. It, Find the yeah. people that are are of similar mindset and moving in the in the same direction. Uh, reach out to people that have a different piece of the puzzle than you have. Form a network. Uh, you can do that better face to face at a meeting than anywhere online. And mention NeuroNoodle for a secret coupon code. Email Pete at NeuroNoodle.com. That's just between us, gals. Okay. <laughs> Erwin, thank you so much. Jace, hey, we thank you all for watching uh, Neuro Noodles, Neurofeedback, and Neuropsychology Podcast. Our show is supported by listeners and businesses just like you, like Gold Supporter, NeuroGuides, Neurofeedback, Neuroimaging Software. Download the free demo now at AppliedNeuroscience.com slash NeuroGuide.
Hey guys, attend their pre-conference workshop at the ISNR 2022 conference. They have a pre-show workshop Wednesday, July 27th. I guess it's going to be a hybrid event. Attend the workshop and learn about new additions and techniques of neurofeedback training like cerebellar ROIs and their inclusion in the symptom checklist for both balance and psychiatric disorders, the importance of implementation of cross-frequency coupling training, these topics, along with the fundamental topics of QEG assessment and neurofeedback training, will be covered. Okay, now, guys, it's just between us here and gals. The workshop will be Wednesday, July 27th. And hey, if you want a coupon code, email me, Pete, at neuronoodle.com. I will hook you up. Mary Tracy's Neurotraining Strategies offers a higher standard of EEG, QEG education to EEG clinicians, technicians, and neurofeedback practitioners with convenient online BCI and QEG certified didactic courses. Three things our listeners and viewers can do to help us spread the word of neurofeedback. Number one, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Number two, give us a review on whatever platform you listen to. Five stars is appreciated, but Jay Gunkelman will accept four and a half stars. If you have the means, Please support us on Patreon slash NeuroNoodle. There are different levels in which you can support, whether you're a mom or dad or clinician. There's even an option. We can have your own Q&A with Jay Gulkelman. The money that comes in just helps us support the quality of, of our content. Okay, guys, we thank you all for listening. Cue the non-copyrighted music.